Welcome to Mogs TV Talk Daily for Wednesday the 29th of November 2017. Mogs TV Talk Daily brings you all the news, ratings and reviews and a little bit of what you can watch on TV tonight. G'day and welcome back to Mogs TV Talk Daily. I'm Steve Mogg and uh, let's get into a Don Burke free news zone. We're nearly in December, we're nearly out of the final week of ratings, and that means Christmas. It's all Christmas time, all of the time, particularly if you are a Foxtel subscriber. Not only are they running a pop-up movie channel uh, starting December 14, the 12 days of Christmas, that controversially contains no Die Hard, the best Christmas film ever other than Elf. Sacrilegious. Uh, They are also dropping a whole bunch, and I mean a whole bunch of Christmas programming that, of course, includes a bunch of lifestyle content, Christmas Bake Off, Nigella's Christmas Special, you know, those kinds of things. Th- something I'm looking forward to next Thursday, a big Lego Christmas. That's going to be a must-watch. Um, they've got some comedy stuff, no, sorry, drama. Um, a Place to Call Home has its Christmas final episode, um, Christmas Eve. Uh, so that will be huge and big. The Call of the Midwife Christmas Special, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, the Daily Show's Yearly Show will pop up. Uh, on December 19, that's always good to watch. Lots of things flying around, right? There's Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. All of the things in all of the places. It is uh, traditionally in Australia a time when programming goes to bed. Like once ratings is done, it's either cricket or test pattern. That's pretty much the size of it. But I think that we're going to see uh, more than ever before a bigger input into the streaming services and into the catch-up services so that people stay maintained and stay connected with their stuff. And of course, uh, we've still got one day. Tomorrow, we're meant to hear about the launch of 7 Plus, 7's big new streaming thing. Methinks that their November launch date has slipped and passed them by. But we'll have to find out, maybe, it'll be tomorrow's news. As is traditional for uh, any night that The Good Doctor, starring Freddie Highmore, is on, Uh, It will not only break a million, but it will be the number one program. And guess what? Knock me over with a feather. He's done it again. Uh, The Good Doctor, 1.047 million viewers across the five capital cities. Uh, That bumps up five, six hundred thousand when you throw in the regional. So it's like 1.6, 1.7. Huge business for seven uh, in today's parlance. Uh, And then it kind of, there's not much else going on. Like Instant Hotel got some business, 608. Um, for Channel 7 at 7.30, and in fact, it was the highest thing going on. But I guess up against it, the ARIA Awards, which only drew 515,000, but that spread across the two and a half, three hours that it was on. Uh, so that's, again, this is why they split code pro- shows. So they could say the ARIA's first hour, ARIA's second hour, ARIA's last hour or something, however they want to call it. I think that's cooking the books. Even splitting the news for mine is cooking the books. Uh, and I might do some math one night and go, so this is what they do when they're 6 and 6.30s, and when we actually merge it all together and average it, it's more like this. And you know that the only reason they do it is to get benefit and say, oh, look, our show was the number one show. No, part of your show was the number one show. It's the same thing as peak audience, which is just not a metric that anyone cares about. Oh, we had 500,000 people watch the show, but a million people tuned in for that peak minute where we announced the winner. Big deal. Uh, there wasn't much else that copped any kind of rating stuff. I mean, Screen Time managed to sneak in for the ABC at 389,000 into the top 20. Uh, but other than that, it was the Arias or Instant Hotel and The Good Doctor. It was all one-way traffic. Um, Seven doing really well. That consequently meant they uh, won the night because their news and The Good Doctor 
basically limped them across the line. Uh, I, I suspect that we will see, even though we've got a good doctor next week, the, they're doing a mid-season finale, um, we will see good ratings for it again, possibly even more than the nearly 1.05 million that it pulled last night. Uh, but that's ratings, right? It's tough to call. And, and this diabolical thing where you go, anything over a million is amazing. Man, like, I've only been doing this for five, six, seven years. And when I started, anything over two million was amazing, and you needed a million to cut the mustard. Like, this is how much it's changed, even just in the time that I've been doing this TV commentary game. Our mugs game. We'll continue our conversation uh, around the boxes that are competing for your HDMI slots tonight by talking about the Apple TV. Now, it's gone through a number of generations to get to where it is today. And in fact, now it has two versions, I think totally based on hard drive size. Uh, it is absolutely a consumable device, and if you live in the Apple landscape with an iPhone or an iPad or even a, a Mac you know, laptop or, or desktop, then the Apple TV is a great partner or a companion to that process. Of course, it's designed to keep you in the Apple universe from a billing perspective, so you can rent and buy TV and movies through that. Uh, of course, if you've got an Apple TV subscription, it all opens up and plays that there for you. And it natively, through AirPlay, allows you to, to do screen sharing and casting from your Apple devices through it onto your big screen TV. Now, the place of the Apple TV as a separate little standalone box, it was actually suggested back before they did this latest relaunch that turned it into a games machine as much as anything else, that Apple were not going to deliver a little add-on box. They're actually going to deliver a panel, a flat panel screen with all of the Apple TV stuff built in. Um, I reckon that could have been a killer, but also it's a whole different product landscape for them and would have cost them a bomb to make an R&D and deliver and all of those sorts of things. I still wouldn't put it past them, but it's not anything that they would be focusing on, on, focusing on is my guess. If you're not an Apple fanboy or connected to the Apple universe in any way, the Apple TV is a very hard sell. You have to have an Apple ID so that they can charge you when you want to rent or buy things. Uh, and connect and engage in that way. Most, I think all catch-up services have got apps uh, in Australia on the Apple TV landscape. Uh, certainly Stan and Netflix, they all do. That was pretty simple. I think Amazon's works. I haven't tested it. I apologize. Uh, but the key missing feature, if you are a Foxtel subscriber and you have an Apple TV, uh, Foxtel Now, and you want to see it on your big screen, your Apple TV is no good to you. However, the CEO of Foxtel, when they launched Foxtel Now, said that by Christmas, they would have not only an Xbox One app, which they still haven't delivered, but they would also have an Apple TV app. Now, that would be a significant change and a bit of a game changer for them, because not only have they got the Telstra TV and, of course, their Foxtel Now box, which we've talked about the last two days, but if they landed an app, which they could very easily do into uh, the Apple TV landscape, all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of people that have gone, I don't want to do this, I'll just wait and buy it on iTunes, or blah, 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 that are going, you know, for 15 bucks a month, I can sign up and watch Game of Thrones, and I can watch it on my Apple TV through the Foxtel Now app, and it just works. I don't know whether they're finding it too hard to develop, or whether they're wanting to try and do too much to it, or, or why they haven't just bought and rebadged someone else's thing. Uh, but certainly, it, it's been a very slack uh, move by Foxtel to not hurry and deliver um, their app to the Apple TV platform. The Apple TV's are great. I haven't played the new version, like the gamey version and stuff that allows you to have those sorts of things happen. Um, good. I mean, they're a good idea. 
Um, they're another thing competing. So if you've got a Telstra TV too or a Foxtel Now and an Apple TV, you might, like us, spend most of your time with them turned off and only turn them on when you need them, as opposed to them being an always-on device, um, which we look to our PVR to be that. And we'll talk about the Fetch Mighty and Mini tomorrow as, I guess, the continuation of this, you know, boxes competing for your devices conversation. Um, the Apple TV, as I said, if you are an Apple person, it is the, the duck's nuts. And if you want to spend a lot of money and buy stuff, it's a great place to be. Of course, the benefit in that is that when you buy it on Apple TV, it's also available on your phone and your iPad and those sorts of things, as opposed to the other places where you might buy it digitally, they don't transfer well. Um, Google Play does okay, but Google doesn't have its own thing. You know, it's invested in other ways. Um, so that becomes that closed Apple universe and how it works so well if you just want it to work. Plug it in and you make it go. Buy it if you are an Apple person. Buy it if you like the Apple universe and you're comfortable with the way all of that works. Certainly you can walk into any Apple store and test it. That's a really positive thing. Would I buy one? Oh, it's a tough sell. Like I said, our current, I think it's third generation Apple TV, spends most of its life turned off uh, because we have other reasons and otherwise, but it's there if I ever need it. So, potato, potato. There is lots of stuff that you could be watching on TV tonight, so uh, strap yourselves in, friends. Uh, the ABC is a great place to be. The Rosehaven Letdown Double at 8.30, 9 o'clock. Even throw in Hard Chat before that. Even throw in 7.30 before that. They are all great options. I'm loving Rosehaven. Celia Bacola and uh, Luke McGregor can do no wrong, honestly. And you, you know, drop David Quirk in there casually as Celia's love interest. Um, that's a great mix. It's very crazy, very good, very them in the way they've developed it. It's a funny move. Uh, the letdown is uh, from Alison Bell. Uh, you might remember she was in, oh, now I can't remember it. She was in a TV series with Celia Picola um, that was all about the sexy times and uh, Laid. It was called Laid, uh, written by Marie Hardy. Very funny. She's very funny in this, the letdown, the idea that when you become a parent for the first time, uh, it can be a letdown. It's not the magical thing that you might have thought it would be. Uh, and it's very funny. There are lots of moments to laugh at, particularly if you are a parent. So, Rosehaven, 8.30, The Letdown, uh, 9 o'clock on ABC, or probably best, ABC iView when it suits you. Uh, if you watched the first episode of Struggle Street Season 2 last night, which you should have, uh, Season 2 only gets better slash worse, depending on how you felt out of the first episode. Compelling. TV, amazing documentary making. Uh, as I said last night, it's the kind of deeply affecting television that SBS do so well. Uh, if you did miss it, that's okay. You can probably jump in and, and pick up from here. Uh, otherwise, SBS On Demand, that stuff. There are three episodes this week and three episodes next week. Uh, it is brutal to sit down and watch all three or even all six at once, like I did. Um, it will have you contemplating all sorts of horrible things. Um, only because to look at the situation these people are in and just go, how are we helping them? And recognise that we're actually really not helping them that much um, is tough and it hurt my heart uh, in a serious kind of way. If you want a good suggestion to jump on streaming-wise, today Amazon Prime Video dropped the first season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Now, this is a very funny series, uh, which is the, the story of a woman who, uh, New Yorker, got married in, I think it's the 50s or 60s, um, and, uh, you know, things were going great and then something happened and her relationship's on the rocks uh, and she ends up at a comedy club and kind of easily, very easily falls into uh, finding out that she likes making people laugh. 
So The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel at a time when there weren't many female comics and certainly many female comics that looked like your traditional Jewish American housewife uh, lands on the screen and lands on the stage and it slays. Uh, and it is very, very funny. Um, there's some great moments in it, so I'm not going to ruin it at all, but it's definitely um, the kind of show that you'll want to watch. I will tell you that uh, when you sit down and enjoy it, you'll probably be going, mm, I know that woman. I know the woman that is the lead role in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That is because, dear friends, um, it is Rachel Brosnahan, uh, Bros, Brosnahan, yeah, Rachel Brosnahan, who was in the first season of House of Cards. She was uh, the girl, the reporter girl that got on uh, to Kevin Spacey's character. Now, she's almost unrecognisable in parts in this, but she is cracker-lacking and very, very good. Um, there's other great people that stand up in it. Tony Shalhoub is uh, her father. Uh, yeah, it's just fun and enjoyable TV. So on Amazon Prime Video, you can jump onto The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel uh, and enjoy that right now. Guys, thank you for joining me on Mulch TV Talk Daily today. Uh, so much going on, and I'm sorry that it's late. I'm glad you could do it. It's available on iTunes and on Google Play if you want to subscribe there or jump on Anchor, and you can subscribe to my station, call in, send me questions, all of those sorts of things. It is marvellous. I'm having a bunch of fun doing this, and I hope that you are enjoying it and finding it helpful uh, because that's what I like to do. I like to help. I'm a helping kind of guy. Catch you tomorrow.